Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 200. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. 200 episodes. We are celebrating 200 episodes today. I really can't believe we hit that mark, especially because we're four years in. We actually missed our four-year anniversary because I was driving to New York that day, and then I slept because I drove straight through. Uh, So I completely missed that celebration. Uh, But I feel like, in a way, this is sort of a bigger milestone when you think about like all the prep that goes into the shows and how much we put into doing the reviews each week. Yeah, I mean, uh, not going to sit here and pat ourselves on the back too much, but I mean, tens of thousands of hours of preparation putting these shows together. All of them worth it, by the way. All of them totally worth it. No, four years flew. It doesn't feel like that much time has gone by. It doesn't feel like 200 episodes. It's certainly not something that's become a chore. I still look forward to doing it every week, except for this week. For the first time in 200 episodes, I was the least excited for this week. And y'all have Michael Eisner to thank for that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a story for another day. But we are doing our top 10 Disney songs of all time. Let, I'm, let me just preface it right now. There is absolutely, and I don't care what anybody says, there is no definitive, there is no absolute, there is no correct top 10 list of Disney songs. Uh, you can make the argument, maybe you can make the top 10 Disney films. I think you can make an argument for that. Top 10 Disney attractions. Yeah, I think you can make an argument for that. You literally cannot make an accurate top 10 list of Disney songs. It is literally impossible to do. No, because there's a million ways to do this. And I actually wanted to talk a little bit about that as far as our process and how we arrived at our list, which by the way, neither of us, I have not seen Sean's list. He has not seen mine. Uh, All he can see is that the paper is falling out of my book because (laughs) I had to rip so many pages out when I redid this list a million times. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about how I arrived at mine and I'm curious to what you did. Yeah. Um, for me, there were just a couple songs that I knew like off top are, are going on. So I made a list of just my favorite songs, the ones that I grew up with, the classics. And that was like my first round and there were 22 of them. And I went, immediately I regretted tasking us with this (laughs) and I put my phone away and I didn't look at it for like another week. Uh, The next time I brought it out, I was hoping to make some cuts, but I wanted to do my due diligence. I looked at the list of Disney films and went through one by one and then picked out songs that maybe aren't my favorite, but mean a lot to Disney history or to the parks, or were just publicly or critically acclaimed, and that inflated the list to, like, over 30, and I went, oh, why? Why did I do this? Uh, And then it came time to put pen to paper, and I listed it out 10 to 1, and it was shocking how fast it filled, and 
I am honestly shocked at myself with some of the things that I cut. So was it that difficult for you? And and how did you get to your list? I kind of had my 10 mentally prepared for quite some time because uh, honestly, it, it came so natural that I was like, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. The next thing I know, I had like seven. And from there, I looked back on some of the songs that I had given high praise to on the show. Because how can I sit here and say that something is one of the most underappreciated songs of all time? How is something one of the most forgotten about songs of all time? And then not included on a list. I mean, some of the songs are overlooked or forgotten about because the list is so, like, expansive. And that's the thing. For me, coming up with 10 was easy. It was justifying not putting the rest of them in. To me, that was the hardest part of this process. And and I'm just going to bury the lead now. You could literally just build this list based upon the Mary Poppins soundtrack, the Little Mermaid soundtrack, and Beauty and the Beast. This is part of the other problem, and it's a good problem to have. But between the Sherman brothers, Howard Ashman, and Alan Menken, who do take up almost my entire list, I will say that now. I'd say about more than half is just on on those songwriters alone. They've written so much and they've done so much that it's almost unfair to, to say the Lopez's, right, who have written great music, but maybe not songs that you would put in a top 10. Now, this is the other thing. This list could change years from now. 30 years right. from now, the Lopez's might have songs on that list because some songs that they've written because they are new with Disney, they just don't have the timeless. And it's not meant as, an, as, as a knock against them. They don't have the timelessness quite yet that's something that the Sherman brothers wrote so this is one of those lists that and this is why I, I batted lead off with it. do not get mad I don't want well, hate don't mail. come for us it's not you can't do this you just can't do this and yet we did it to the best of our abilities and I know I have at least two songs on here that are hot takes that I think people are going to argue against, but it's my list and I'm okay with it. Honestly, those were things that I factored in too. I mean, there was a moment where I was like Elton John, Phil Collins, Lopez's be damned. Do I just do this entire list as Howard Ashman? The thought really did cross my mind because he, he deserves it. Um, and there were some deep cuts that I made just factoring in what I thought you were going to have. Like I, I should not be basing this list on on you, but there there was one song where I was like, surely Sean's gotta have it. So so I don't have to worry about it. Um but I'm I'm interested to see what you arrived at. And there are songs that are not written yet that are going to become classics. Do we do this again down the nope. line? Or nope. <laughs> it was that much of a nope. torture. Never yeah. doing this again. I don't even know that I would do my top ten films. For our hundredth episode, we counted down the top five films that we would like to show Walt Disney with our friends Brendan and Catherine from Detour to Neverland. Uh and even that list, it was not necessarily my five favorite films. It was you know, thing, I mean, as much as I love Toy Story, that's a technological achievement. Of course, I would show that to Walt Disney. Would right. it make my top 10? Probably. But I, I say that now because I'm talking about it. If I had to put pen to paper, 
I, I can't say that it would. Right. All right. I think at this point, let's just get into the list because we've spent so much time talking about putting them together. Let's talk about the lists, starting with number 10, and I will let you go first. Okay. Time to make some enemies today. Uh, my number 10 is Manor a Muppet from 2011's The Muppets by Jason Siegel. Um, it was not only nominated, it won an Oscar. That's not why I picked it. Uh, I just think it's worth noting um, for those that might want to factor something like that in. I love the song. I love the lyrics. I knew I wanted it on my list. But honestly, this was one that I was debating hard because the lyrics... And the sequence, obviously, are so specific to the film. And that is also something that was part of my criteria is does the song transcend the film? Or is it so specific that you would have no idea what's going on? Like, for example, when we reviewed Encanto, I had said as much as we don't talk about Bruno is a bop, I don't think it transcends the film because the lyrics are so specific to the movie. You have to be watching the movie to really know what's going on. And in this case, just by virtue of it being the Muppets, it is film specific, but I think the message of this song transcends the film. And that is why it made it on as my number 10. I will say this, though. I did not count Rainbow Connection because that was before Disney acquired the Muppets. And thank God for that. Yeah. <laughs> my number 10. I won't say. Off of the Hercules soundtrack. Written by Alan Menken. Wow. I said it then. I think that the song that Meg sings is one of the most overlooked, forgotten about songs, especially because Go the Distance is such a thing, right? And people have been playing it f for inspiration at any sort of Olympic event or run Disney event. And I actually think that this song is better. Um I also thought that it was important that somewhere on here Susan Egan was on this list because she's done so much for Disney that I think that she, in her own right, deserves a place. But that's not the only reason why. I think that this song captures a moment in time because I can hear the Shirelle singing it. I can hear the Supreme singing it. And it's such a great sequence with Meg and the Muses and the fact that you would get this kind of song mixed in to that kind of film. It was unique at the time. I think the song holds up. I think that the other thing is as a kid, I remember seeing that and like that song hit differently because I, I think I was 11 years old when Hercules came out. And I just remember thinking when she sang that, this is not a, a regular Disney princess song, even to the point where it ends when she says, at least out loud, I won't say I'm in love. So you like even as a kid, it translated over that this is a character that's completely conflicted. And she's a complex character in her own right. So for all of those reasons, I put that on my list at number 10. Wow, that's kind of a surprise. I mean, I know you love that movie. I know you love the soundtrack, but that's not what I thought you were going to pull from that movie. Well, that's what I pulled. Let's move on to number nine. I am sure you're going to have this one somewhere. Uh, my number nine is Eye to Eye from Goofy Movie. Um this song has recently seen a resurgence because of TikTok and people doing the power line dance. That is not why I picked it. 
Uh, I picked it because I love it. And again, the message that this song sends transcends the film. Other other than that it just has such a fire sequence and amazing choreography and the lighting design. We talked about all of that when we reviewed the film. Uh, but take all of that away. It's still a fantastic song. Number nine for me, Friend Like Me. Um, the Robin Williams version. I mean, the Will Smith version is fine, but the Robin Williams version just blows it out of the water. I mean, you want to talk about a... Now, here's the thing. It's funny because that scene is very much linked to that film. It doesn't necessarily transcend, and yet it does at the same time. Because the song is so iconic, everybody knows Friend Like Me is the genie song from Aladdin. Nobody's going to confuse it for anything else. Um, And it has had such an effect, not just on film, but also in the parks, right? Like, you can't escape friend like me. I think the lyrics are witty. I think it works as an incredible introduction to one of the most iconic characters in Disney history. Um, And I think that all in all, it has become such a beloved treasure of a song that it deserved its place on on the list. Is it the best song? It's not the best song. That's why it's sitting at number nine, but I do believe it earned its place on this list, and I was happy to put Friend Like Me at number nine. Coming in hot at number eight is Out There from Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, I absolutely love this sequence. It's stunning, but take away the animation. You've still got a truly beautiful song. Uh, It's a great I want song for the main character, which I think is hugely important. And this one, I think, also has a special place in Disney history because this was the first time that Alan Menken was writing without Howard Ashman. He wrote this one with Stephen Schwartz, and uh, it did get nominated for an Oscar. It didn't win, uh, but it did get nominated. And I think that's a pretty big deal for Alan Menken because he and Howard Ashman won Oscars for their collaborations at a time when animation was really not recognized um, and they were part of the Disney renaissance. They really are. We've said it on the show a million times over. The company is forever indebted to them for saving it because these songs are really what put those films over the top and made you fall in love with Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. Uh, especially considering something like Beauty and the Beast, you know, we've talked about it. It wasn't even supposed to be a musical. Right. And when they brought in Alan and Howard, they they changed the entire story structure to fit the music. And that's what, you know, defines that film as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, and during the production of Beauty and the Beast, Howard passed away. Uh, They had written some of the music for Aladdin. And then after that, you got Lion King and they brought in different composers, different writers. So this was sort of Alan Menken's comeback in a way to show that, you know, he still got it. And I just absolutely love this song. Yeah, it's an incredible song. Um, I struggled not having it on my list. Um, It's one of my honorable mentions. That was a very, very deep cut for me. But you talk about 
Howard and Alan and Little Mermaid and My Number Eight is Part of Your World, which was a song that Howard Ashman fought for. That song almost got cut from Little Mermaid, which it's hard to imagine that film without that song. But in test audiences, kids just did not appreciate it. They weren't connecting with it. But Jody Benson sings it with such conviction. It is the it is the pinnacle. It is the example of an I want song. And, you know, Howard, Howard Ashman talked about like in My Fair Lady or in uh, Little Shop of Horrors where your female lead, usually it's three songs in, sings about what she wants. And that's how he came to writing this song. But this is a song that I think does transcend the film. Um it's tied to that scene, but again, it is such an iconic piece of work that there's nobody in the world that hears that song and doesn't immediately think of Ariel, doesn't know that it came from this film. Um, and I've never heard, other than Jeffrey Katzenberg, I've never heard anybody <laughs> be critical of this song before. Um, it's at number eight. It could be at number one. This is the thing. For me, for me personally... No, I could. I would say it could be at number two because to me, my number one. When we get there, it's it's the only song I really could argue it being number one. But you could make an argument that this would rank this high. So this is sitting at my number eight, um, and I struggled with putting it at eight because I could have put it higher. But from here through two, for me. So many of these songs on my list, at least, are just interchangeable and can go anywhere. Yeah, I'm relieved that you put part of your world on there because I actually cut that one and it broke my heart. I do have a Little Mermaid pick coming up, but that actually wasn't it. I'm not surprised. Honestly, like this, this song, honest, it was between this and, and Out There. This is basically what bumped Out There off of my top 10. Um, and it's so funny that both of us were putting it at the number at eight number slot. eight right well that does it but that kind of tells you like this is how tough it gets coming towards the back of the top 10 list where you really can mix and mingle and 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 things are interchangeable but this is why these lists are so difficult and this is why i'm not going to go after anybody for trying to do one of these lists unless you put something at the top that's so egregious other than that, I'm not going to go after anybody for trying to do this. No, seriously. It's just so interesting, too, though, that we're both struggling with that as the number eight pick. It's an I want song in both cases. And you picked the female I want song and I picked the male. And like you picked the one from my favorite, favorite movie. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on to number seven. Number seven, I knew I was going to have some sort of representation from this film. Honestly, it should be at multiple numbers, but once I really started making deep cuts, I was like, you know what? I have to pick one song from each film. Otherwise, I mean, I don't know. I sort of felt the need to diversify this list, but it, it was just getting so difficult. Anyway, um, my number seven is Let's Go Fly a Kite from Mary Poppins. Um, I th think that you could make the argument that Chimchuri or Step in Time is the more memorable song or Feed the Birds. Uh, Chimchuri was the one that got the Oscar nomination. Uh, I think it won, actually. Um, 
But for me, it's let's go fly a kite. It's, you know, that happy ending moment when the Banks family has, you know, even, even though it's the saddest moment because Mary is leaving, it's a happy moment for the family. And what really put it over the top for me is that this is the memorable one from when I was a kid. And that was something that I sort of had to factor in is that, you know, these songs just live with you for so long. And I love it now the way that I did then. So that is my pick from Mary Poppins. Jackie is dancing with Don. (laughs) Um, I I wanted to interview Don. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you bring that up, though, because uh, in in regards to it kind of sticking with you and and being the song that you remember from your childhood, that did play a factor in some of my picks here. Um, If something has stayed with me my entire life, I call it a bias, but I I have to include it because it's my list and it's special. Um, which is why Eye to Eye is number seven for me. Okay. Um, this, to me, is a song that, as you mentioned before, is getting a resurgence. We have Max dressed as Powerline at Not So Scary this year. We are going to Not So Scary in a couple of weeks. I am so excited to see it. Um, and you better learn the choreo before then. And the the song, though, from the moment I saw this film in the mid-90s through now, I will stop what I'm doing to listen to it. I think that this song is not only iconic in Disney, I'm surprised. For a time where Disney had a lot of their um, animated the the animated films had songs had singles from soundtracks that were going on to become major radio hits um like part of your world and circle of life um beauty and the beast i don't know why this never made its way to commercial radio because i think tevin campbell is a mix of michael jackson and prince and i think that this song was a bop in the mid 90s it's a bop now i think that if you release this song today and put it on radio it could crack the top 10 i think the song is that good for all of the reasons you mentioned earlier i think the message is incredible and i think that it has I think it took a little bit longer than it should have, but I think it is finally earning its respected place in the Walt Disney Company. So that is my number seven. Can confirm, Sean will really stop what he's doing when the song comes on. We were driving to um, the other park where we have a weekend AP this weekend, and uh, it came on in the car, and and you just cranked up the volume. We were mid-conversation, but I didn't care. We were just blasting eye to eye as we rolled up to Universal. Yes. All right, number six. This one was a real struggle for me because it just edged out of the top five. Number six is My Little Mermaid pick, which is Under the Sea. This song was an Oscar nominee and winner. Um, again, not why I picked it. The reason that I did choose it over part of your world is because this is the one that stayed with me. This is the one that made me fall in love with this movie. Because as a kid, you're not as great as part of your world is. You're not connecting with it on the same level that you do, you know, when you're a teenager like Ariel or even now to look back on it. Um, 
that song, I loved it then, and it just grew on me over time. Whereas Under the Sea was just a hit from the beginning. Um, it's a great sequence. Some of it, like you mentioned with Friend Like Me, is film specific, but I still think that there's enough there, even though there are all the, you know, fishy metaphors, there's still enough that transcends the film with its message that, you know, the grass is not always greener on the other side and, you know, make sure you really want this before going after it. Make sure that it's worth it to you. So I, I love the message that it does send. As far as Disney history goes, this is another one that Howard Ashman saved uh, just by virtue of saying, hey, why don't we make Sebastian have a Jamaican accent? Uh, and I think that that's part of what puts this song over the top and makes it so entertaining and you know like I said you latch onto it when you're a kid but you do see the deeper message behind it uh you know as time goes on and the more you rewatch the film and I, I think that's why it holds up and that is why uh, I I hate that it didn't make my top five but it, it's on the list there was no question that it was going on the list yeah my number six uh, it, it could have been on the top five. It, when I started the list, my number six was in my top five. But as I started building the list and building the list, it by default just kind of got pushed back. And that is Bare Necessities from The Jungle Book. It's Baloo's song. It's Baloo's mantra. It's not just Baloo's mantra, but it's sort of the message for the entire film. And I think that it's an earworm. It's been an earworm since I was a kid. Jungle Book growing up was my favorite Disney animated film. It was my favorite song from the film. It still is one of my favorite songs of all time. It's one of my favorite characters of all time. I think that it's iconic. I think that it transcends generations. And I think that... The overall message of the song is something that we could all stand to live by. And I think that for all of those reasons, Bare Necessities is on my top ten list, sitting at number six. The melody, the lyrics, everything just works in its favor. Um, the next five, though, for me at least, as much as I love it, it's at this point that... Now, this is kind of my process as we get into each of our top fives. This is where things really got tough because I had to try and put a little bit of my bias aside because otherwise Bare Necessities could be number one. And at this point, I started thinking, what songs are the best written? What songs have the best lyrics? What songs transcend more than just their films? Though at the same time some of these songs have to mean something significant to the company. And that's where my thought process started to turn a little bit. I have one I have one in my top five that I think is a bomber, but I think it's just so beautifully written that it has to be in the top five. But for the most part, you're going to start to see a lot of icons for me. That's exactly my thought process, which is why Under the Sea got slightly edged out because 
yes, it is the top five. And it's not just about what it, they mean to us. It's about what they represent to the films, to the company. Um, Bare Necessities, though, was the one that was a deep cut for me. But I was like, Sean's got this. So I just let you have it. And it created space for other things. Um, so for my number five, yeah, this was one that I struggled with and bounced back and forth with Under the Sea because I really did want that one in my top five. Um, Under the Sea, I think, is certainly more catchy than this song, but this song was more important in its message. Uh, it, it's the entire hook for the film, uh, and it is Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas, uh, which was an Oscar winner. Uh I mean, was there was there really any debate about that? It's an absolutely stunning sequence where they pulled from so many different styles of animation with the watercolor and the way that the leaves are, are blowing around. But again, putting that aside, does the song stand on its own um, without question? I think this is one of the best messages that Disney has ever sent through their films. Uh, it's it, it's just a beautiful song. My number five is Be Our Guest. I mean, what else can you say? It's Howard Ashman and Howard Mencken, or sorry, it's uh, Alan Mencken and Howard Ashman at their absolute best. Um, I think that, again, this this soundtrack could have been half of the top ten on its own, and, and that's where some of the deep cuts get made. But the way that it was done in not just the classic animated version but also in the live action version and then to have it on Broadway every version of this song that you hear for the most part is just as good as the next I had a little bit of critiquing when it came to the live action version but by and large the song remains the same and I think that the lyrics, I mean, the the composition of it is just unbelievable, and it's so uplifting. But the lyrics, those Howard Ashman lyrics, they're tongue-in-cheek, they're quick-witted, they're fun, they're funny. You can't overlook how well-written this song is, what it has meant to Disney as a company, and how we have seen it on Broadway, in parks, in live action, in animation. And to this day, 30 years, more than 30 years after the release of this film, it's not slowing down in its popularity. And that, to me, is why it had to be on the list, albeit some people will debate that it should be higher than number five. To me, it is at number five, and it is a top five song in the Walt Disney Company. I would agree with that. I will say I have it. I'm not saying where, though. Okay. Very good. Where are you now? Number four. What have you got? Ay, ay, ay. This one, um, is it one of my favorite songs? No, but I knew immediately it was going on, which is strange to say because this is my list, but I am trying to be unbiased and have a well-rounded list. So my number four is A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes from Cinderella. Um, I never appreciated this one as much as I should have as 
when I was a kid watching it, admittedly, uh, just because it's sort of a slower song and you're you know when you're a kid watching you want the high energy catchy entertaining songs like you know most kids are going to think of Cinderella and think bibbidi bobbidi boo um but over time as you rewatch, uh and I think a lot of it has to do with visiting the parks and hearing the song in the parks uh I've grown to appreciate it more and you know, over the years, that that lyric of no matter how your heart is grieving, if you keep on believing the dream that you wish will come true, that's poetry. It's beautiful. Um, really, for that line alone, that's what puts the song on the list for me. My number four is a song that I had said when we reviewed the film that this is, I think I had said actually at that point in time, that you could make a case for it being a top 10 song. I think I said I would even have put it in my top five and perhaps is the best written and yet forgotten about song. And this is going to, I think, cause a stir with some people. I don't care. Written by Alan Menken, my number four is God Help the Outcasts from Hunchback. Oh, I'm so glad you got it on your list. I think that what this song accomplishes, other than a beautiful composition and unbelievable lyrics, is it's a plea for help. It's a cry for help. Though at the same time, it also questions the, I hate to say authority, but for a lack of a better word, it questions the authority that you are also asking for help. Because I think that the, the, the entire idea that she's asking God help the outcasts, the poor and downtrot, and then, you know, all of them, the gypsies, they're all being chased by Frollo. They're all being sort of thrown into exile. They have to hide. The lyric of, I thought we were all the children of God. Like that is some di- for a di- for any film, but specifically for a Disney film, that is a deep question to ask. It's a deep message. It's controversial, but I think in many of the right ways. Um, I'll be very interested to see if we ever actually do get a Hunchback um, live action remake. How many of these songs remain the same? I'm just going to throw this out there. If, if you're going to change the songs, don't make the movie. You're making the movie about a character that lives in a cathedral. So if that's not a message you want to be sending, then do not make it contemporary. Just don't make the film. I also think that a song like this nowadays could not be written. I don't think it would be written. And that's exactly why, for as beautiful as it is, it deserves a place at number four. It's an unbelievable song. It killed me to cut it but up against out there I went with out there uh no but you're absolutely right it's such a strong character moment and for me the lyric has always been I ask for nothing I can get by but I know so many less lucky than I um I mean it's huge for character because she does need help but she's she's not asking for it selfishly she's asking for it for her people uh Esmeralda's 
fantastic. She's one of my favorites. I, I hope to see it remade, but I agree with you. Don't touch that song. It's it, it's just too good. Um, Too good, and yet it's not on my list. <laughs> okay, Are, we're, we're doing top three. We're into top three. Okay, this may surprise some people. Uh, I, I almost put it at two, um, but there is one thing that sort of makes it not as broad as the one that is at number two. Okay. Uh, my number three is Let It Go from Frozen. Come on. Did you think Frozen was not going to be on my list? Of course it is. Um, no, this has nothing to do with me being an Idina Menzel fan, although I will say, you know, part of the reason that I was so excited for Frozen was to see her get her due. I've been a longtime fan. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you know this. I saw her as Elphaba in Wicked on Broadway, and I've been a huge fan ever since then. Uh, so I was so excited. I was excited to see her in Enchanted, but to see her as the lead in an animated film, it just blew my mind. And I had high hopes going in, but this sequence had me bawling in the theater. Uh, it's just an unbelievably well-written song. It's so well composed. The lyrics are fantastic. It's one of the best girl power songs that Disney has ever done where it's not just about being a strong female, but it's really taking ownership of who you are, flaws and all. And I think that that is such a huge message to send, especially to young girls. I think that's so important. Uh, but because it is more relatable to young girls, that is why I put it at three and not at two. But um, just, uh, like, like, what else can I say about it? It's It's the best. Number three for me is When You Wish Upon a Star. What the hell did you put it one and two? Okay. Um, so when you wish upon a star, I I can't believe that you're relieved that I have this on my list. It was between that and Cinderella for me because they are sort of similar. They're very similar. They are very similar um in your defense and in what they represent with the parks too like when you think about it like that's always you know your castle fireworks song so that is sort of what pit them against each other for me got it not that i was relying on you to have that on your list but i'm i'm just glad one of us covered it so i have it on it's at number three um it's jiminy cricket right so one of the most iconic characters in cinema history, singing one of the most iconic songs in cinema history. We're getting the live-action remake coming up in just a couple of days at the time of this recording. Frankly, I have no expectations of it. Um, Mine lessen every time they release a new trailer. Every time, every time a new trailer comes out, I'm less enthusiastic about it. But in talking about the original, it's... You could put this at number one, and I I think that would be acceptable. This has transcended generation after generation, decade after decade. I mean, you've got five, six generations of 
families that have grown up with this song, that know the lyrics to this song, that know the character who sings this song, that knows the film that the song came from, knows where it comes in the song. And I think that it's a message that a lot of people grab onto and they hold on to dearly. Um, and I think that in a day and age where this is a very jaded world that we live in and it is a very hostile world that we live in um, and it is not at all an accepting world that we live in and that's that includes both sides of the fence. Um, I think that a song with this kind of message is something that we should care less about the crap that you see on the news nowadays, care less about the crap that you le- that you read in an op-ed or in a blog post, and maybe, just maybe, you have to wish upon a star just a little bit more. I think there's a childhood innocence that goes along with it. I think there's whimsy that goes along with it, and I think that it is one of the greatest songs ever written. And I think that it deserves its place on the list. This was tough for me. At first, I did have it at number two. I contemplated putting it at one. Ultimately, I did slide it back to three, and those reasons will get fleshed out once I give my number one and number two. That was very well put. I've thought about this quite a bit. No, just I not not just where you put it on the list, but your your breakdown of the song. It was just very well said. I try. Okay. I got this radio thing down after almost 20 years. I think I figured it out. <laughs> you ready for number 2? Yeah. Uh number 2 for me is Circle of Life. Uh Can You Feel the Love Tonight was the Oscar winner from that film but for me this is it there's nothing like hearing that first note we all know that first note with the sunset it is just sound and picture married forever but take the picture away you've still got an absolutely amazing song I think you could make the argument like under the sea like friend like me it is very much tied to the film in that the lyrics are very animal heavy but it doesn't matter you take that away and you've still got an absolutely gorgeous song and um again important to disney history because this was after howard ashman passed away and and it's like what do you what do you do what songwriting combination uh do you bring in and you know disney rolled the dice because at the time they hadn't really worked with popular artists. I mean, they had, uh, you know, a lot of celebrities voicing their characters, but they never bought in anyone to do a soundtrack like this. Um, and and I think, you know, they, they hit big on the scandal. Yeah, with Tim Rice and Elton John, I mean, how are you going to miss? And, and I think that it speaks volumes to the category of songwriter that Howard Ashman was put in that you replace Elton John was a replacement that's what I'm saying it's like how do you top Howard Ashman and and I'm not saying that Elton John is necessarily better but like you really had to swing big to get to that level and while Elton John didn't necessarily do as much for story as Howard Ashman did these songs are so ingrained in the film, but this is really 
the first time for me where I remember a soundtrack being larger than life. It wasn't that you saw The Little Mermaid, you saw Beauty and the Beast, you saw Aladdin, and you wanted the merch, you wanted the soundtrack, you just wanted to keep living in the world of that movie. This is the one where you didn't have to see the movie and people were just falling in love with this music and listening to the soundtrack, whether they knew Lion King or not. Yeah, I think... um... This one was, I think you're right, it was one of the first times that I can recall turning on a radio and hearing a song on loop that transcended a film. Like, you heard Beauty and the Beast, but it's the name of the film, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Part of your world or not part of your world, a whole new world. I remember hearing that on the radio, but it was very much ingrained in us that that's Aladdin. Circle of Life, you're right. You know it's from The Lion King, but you don't immediately think of Lion King right? when you hear it. I think that's a solid choice at number two. My number two is A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. Okay, wow. Cinderella was one of my favorites growing up, one of my favorite films. And yes, you know, bibbity bobbity. I think most people think about that. But this song to me, at the risk of repeating everything that you just said, I'm not going to bother. But what I will say is, I think the reason why this sat at number two for me is all of this exists. This podcast, the parks, the films exist because of Walt Disney. And I think that this song is the most quote-unquote Walt Disney song that you're going to find without it being written about Walt Disney. Um, I think that this song, I think that it just takes possession of everything that he stood for. I think it takes possession of everything that the parks stand for. Um, I think it takes possession of the escapism that you feel when you go to a Disney park Um, for the same reasons. It's equally frustrating now that the parks are in the condition that they're in under the current leadership that it's under, but you want to talk about your heart is grieving and yet you'll still believe it. (laughs) I I believe that one day we will recover from this. Um, And with every passing day, I miss Bob Iger more and more. But with all of that being said, Um, that's just the quick answer. You hit the nail on the head before, but that is why this sits at my number two. Are we ready for number one? I'm ready for number one, but before we get to number one, did you have any honorable mentions or anything that kind of sat towards the top of your list? Maybe things that if, if we were doing a top 15, maybe things that would have gone from like 11 to 15 in no particular order, of course. Any, what, what were your kind of deep cuts? Okay, you want to do that now? That This yeah, is actually we'll a good now. place for it. Although, if you were paying attention, you probably know what my number one is. Um, uh, I mentioned this before. When You Wish Upon a Star was a very deep cut for me. Um, Baby Mine from Dumbo, that was a tough one because it's beautiful. Um, Your Mother and Mine from Peter Pan. Um, I think that's a really relatable song. I think it's a beautiful one. Um, and, and I think that is like really one of those classic Disney ones, but it just didn't make it for me. Um, Bella Note from Lady and the Tramp, although that is very scene specific. Yeah. 
Um, so that was, it hurt, but it wasn't brutal to cut it out. Uh, bare necessities, like we mentioned, um, but I knew you'd have it. Um, probably the hardest one that hurt me the most was Candle on the Water from Pete's Dragon, because if you're a longtime listener, you know how much I love that film, what it meant to me when I was a kid, uh, and it really grieves me not to have a song from it on that list, especially uh, a song as beautifully written, beautifully sung as that one. Um, I, I've said this to you before. If you were a bigger fan of that film, I would have made that our wedding song. I love it that much. Um, but because the film is a lesser known one and that song doesn't necessarily mean as much in Disney history, I couldn't justify it taking the place of something like Men or a Muppet or, you know, Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. Um, and then others, I didn't get any Princess and the Frog on here, which I hate. Uh, I didn't get any Tangled on here, which I hate. Didn't get any Encanto, which I really hate. But those were actually easier cuts because I feel like everything from Encanto is very film specific. Mm-hmm. Um even, well, Miracle, you could argue, transcends the film, but that was a tough one. Uh, and then another one that I really wanted but didn't get was Poco Loco from Coco. But again, that's more about the scene and the visual and everything coming together than it is the song on its own. Yeah, I thought that maybe, and now I still don't know what your number one is, so perhaps it's there, uh, although I, I don't think that it is. Uh, Remember Me was a deep cut. Um I had a couple on here that were deep. I basically said, like, all of the Mary Poppins, Aladdin, and Little Mermaid soundtrack, that's anything that wasn't already mentioned or or anything that may not be mentioned at number one is an honorable mention. Um, I actually didn't get any Aladdin on my list. Part of your... Uh, part of your world. Uh, a Whole world. New Worlds was a deep cut for me. Yeah, that's one of my honorable mentions. Why Should I Worry is an honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, that was a very deep cut. Um, that was on my... my 30 plus extended list. Yeah. Um, I think Ugly Bug Ball. Uh, I think that that's a deep cut. Burr Lives. Burr Lives. Um, Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. I mean, that is that is a deep cut for me. Scales and Arpeggios is a very deep cut. Out There was a deep cut. Um, I wasn't really. I mean, I love Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, but it wasn't in a film other than just the melody from Tomorrowland. So I wasn't really counting that one. And I actually did. I, I, it would not have made a top 10. It would maybe make a top 20, but I thought it was meant. I thought it was worth mentioning falling for you from teen beach. Um, I think that I said it at the time that song captured a moment in time um, without seeming too much like a spoof. Um, and I think that that could have been a radio hit. I think that it works in the film. I think it works outside of that film. But that Carol King-esque songwriting from lyrics to melody, um, it was phenomenal. That was a deep cut for me. Those are our deep cuts. Those are our honorable mentions. Let's go. Oh, there's there's more. Oh, you As have we're, more. We're going through. Um <laughs> I didn't get Hercules on there. I It would have been go the distance for me. Um, but that was kind of pit up against out there as well. And out there wins hands down. Hercules is more your movie than it is mine. It's not to say I don't like it, but 
uh, it wasn't one that I revisited a lot when I was a kid. Right. Uh, when she loved me from Toy Story. Yeah, that's um, tough. But I just opted not to cry today, so I cut that one. Show Yourself, I think, was very much deserving to be on the list, but I wasn't going to have two from Frozen eating up inventory. I didn't get any villain songs on my list, which really hurt me. I would have loved Poor Unfortunate Souls. Uh, and really, the the deeper cut was Be Prepared For Me because that is my favorite villain song of all time. Uh, but again, couldn't have two from Lion King taking up space. And speaking of not burning space with a song, I really wanted to do Make a Man Out of You from Mulan just because I love it. You can't stand it. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't have room to, to, you know, put a song on there just as a joke. But I do love that song. I do think it's a great song. Um, so with that said, um, I'm about to reveal my number one. Uh, and spoiler alert, that also means that Phil Collins didn't make my list either. Uh, I mentioned before that you had it at your number five and I had it on my list, but I didn't say where be our guest is my number one. Um, I, I don't have too much more to add than what you said about it. Um, I think it is Howard Ashman and Alan Menken firing on all cylinders at their finest. Uh, it's the tongue in cheek lyrics. It's the catchy melody. Uh, it's even just, thinking about Angela Lansbury and Jerry Orbach in the booth recording it and how joyous the cast was and what a moment it was when they brought it all together. Um, I love the animation sequence, but taking that aside, I think this is one, again, you could sort of argue is like Friend Like Me, like Under the Sea, where it is very much rooted in the film. Uh, but I think that's just because of the French foods that they're mentioning. Otherwise, when you take all of that away, I think it stands on its own. And the reason that it is at number one above anything else, this was actually the easiest pick for me. Once I, kn I knew it was going on my list, and when I started the list, I put this one down to paper first. Uh, and the reason being is not just that it's a bop, not just that it's a classic. Um, it's what you said. It has been successful in film and Broadway and to me, this is such a representation of the parks. You know, they they definitely used it in marketing to say, you know, be our guest. But I think it's also one of the things that embodies the company. Right. To welcome you to the park, or at least did before paycheck. Uh, so, yeah, be our guest, hands down, number one for me. My number one was the easiest song that I had on this list because... It is not only a song that comes off of what I think is Walt Disney's crowning achievement in filmmaking, but I also think that when you have a song that Walt Disney regularly would request to be performed live in his presence it is impossible to not recognize Feed the Birds as the number one song of all time in the Walt Disney Company. Oh, Lord, you didn't get Phil Collins on there either. No, I didn't. And that was tough. 
But this is why these kind of lists are impossible. Yeah. As much as I love Phil Collins, and as much as I love Genesis, as much as I love Billy Joel, I can't put them on a list and not include Feed the Birds. It's the Sherman Brothers at their absolute finest. It is a song that, while it does not transcend the film at all, it's the entire movie. If you really think about Feed the Birds, and I don't think I even said this when we reviewed Mary Poppins, I think as the years have gone on and I listen to the soundtrack more and I see the film more, that's the entire movie is that song. Um, it's, it's about wanting to help others in need, which is Mary Poppins in general, but it's also about wanting to just be innocent. Sometimes you do just want to feed the birds. Sometimes you do just want to fly a kite. But I can't overlook the fact that this song, Walt Disney would just look at Richard Sherman and just say, play it. And he didn't have to say what it was. He would say, just play it. And Richard Sherman would sit at the piano in Walt's office. And perhaps there's a bias for us because we've stood in that office. We've seen that piano. So to not have that as number one, I just couldn't justify what it meant. And I do believe that Mary Poppins is one of the greatest films ever made. And I think it is the greatest film that Walt Disney ever made in his life. And I don't think that there will... I'm confident enough in saying this. <clears throat> the, the This list can change over the course of the years. I think there will be more songs that come that have yet to be written. I'm confident in saying that this list will change. I am even more confident in saying that... And it's, it's not a knock at any of the efforts of anybody that will come in the future. That This company will never make a film as good as Mary Poppins. They're never going to do it. That I am confident in. That is my top 10. Don't ever make me do anything like this ever again. <laughs> no, well, I think we we should say the reason that we did this, I, I had the idea and it wasn't just for the sake of torturing us. We were trying to get a big interview for this episode. Um, and unfortunately it just didn't come together. Um, it wasn't for lack of trying. Uh, I, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. I think a lot of this also has to do with, we are dropping this episode the week of D 23. So who we would have liked to have on for an interview is tied up with travel. Yes. Uh, and preparing for the expo. Um, at least at least I hope that's the case. I hope that we didn't just get snubbed and I hope that there's enough going on at the expo to make it worth everyone's while because we opted not to go. But anyway, and and I know a lot of people are upset about the way the um the lotteries were given out for uh for some of the panels. So I'm glad that we're gonna be watching this one from the comfort of our home. Couch, air conditioning, YouTube stream, clean bathroom. I'm 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 glad we didn't like like I have a lot of friends that are checking in at MCO that are all on the same flight on the way to LAX right now and for like a moment in time I was a little jealous and I was a little upset and for a split second I regretted it but then I remembered I don't want to spend another four thousand dollars today and 
after hearing the nightmares of the rules that are in place now, how people really are not getting into panels unless you are credentialed. You know what? As as much as I would have liked to be there, I can go to World of Disney and buy a lot of nice Disney merchandise. I don't need to fly to California to do it. And seeing how crowded the parks are. That's the other thing. It's Labor Day weekend. People have a built-in day off. Uh, that was poor planning on Disney's part. Well, I mean, it is and it's not. You know, people are going to take their vacation days when they have the extra one. But those parks are going to be so overcrowded this week with people traveling to the expo. Well, that's it, because you're you're coming off of Labor Day weekend now, but because you have the built-in time off... You'll do Tuesday, Wednesday in the parks, and then Thursday through the rest of the weekend is going to be the expo. But everybody has the same idea. Right, because you've already got the Monday. Monday was built in, so you take the weekend as travel days. That's how my parents used to do it when we went on vacation. Always built it onto a holiday weekend. But anyway, that is sort of how we arrived here. We wanted the big interview and just couldn't make it happen for you. So we apologize for that. And part of it was also, you know, we were thinking about what this milestone means four years in 200 episodes. And the reason that we started this podcast is because Sean and I met working in radio. Um, And we sort of wanted to take it back to our roots again because music has meant so much to us throughout our careers, um, you know, we, we thought that that was a good way to sort of tie everything together for episode 200. And we want to thank all of our new listeners who have joined us recently. That's why, you know, I'm rehashing our history for those that don't know. Uh, and especially thanks to our longtime listeners who have been with us since the very beginning. And our friends that have been with us from the beginning, friends that we've made because of this podcast. Would you have imagined four years ago doing episode one of Monoreal Radio, The Little Mermaid, that that 199 episodes later, you'd be sitting there, episode number 200, in a dedicated space, in a dedicated studio, in a home, an hour and 15 minutes from the gates of Walt Disney World? No. No. Easy answer. No. (laughs) And here we are. And here we are now. A lot has changed um, and a lot remains the same. And we thank and appreciate everybody who has stuck with us. And we're looking forward to the next 200 episodes, because as long as they keep making films, like it or not, we're not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) No. And if there's anything that you would like us to review, please feel free to email us monorealradio at gmail.com. Let us know. Uh, you know, if, if we haven't gotten to it yet, let us know if there's a film you want to see. We know we haven't done Peter Pan. 200 episodes in, we've still not done Peter Pan. We have to do that one. Uh, we still have to do Princess and the Frog. There's a lot of Pixar that we haven't got to. So there's still a lot of, like, heavy-hitting films uh, where we're not going to be deep-diving into the back catalog anytime soon. We'll get there. Um, We don't have any news this week because, as you mentioned, they have the D23 Expo this week. So... We will be sitting for a dockside chat at the end of the weekend where we have a margarita and we discuss some of the things that we've done as locals to Disney. Um, And we will discuss whatever news comes out from the D23 Expo. And we'll discuss whether or not we think any of those projects will actually happen. We will, however, not be celebrating Disney Plus Day because that is on November 12th. 
correct. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. Jackie gave that email address before, monorealradio at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on Verbal or your podcast platform of choice. Be sure to follow us on the, or be sure to follow us on the social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Monoreal Radio. And for links to everything related to the show, it's always online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.